Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults age 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ. Live and local, every afternoon, 2 to 4. This is Mark, Melinda, and Ed on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text them at 512 836 0590. Thank you all for having me on. Now, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 202, thank you for joining us. How are you today, Melinda? I'm doing fabulous. It's a Friday. The sun is shining. <laughs> the temperatures are good, in my opinion. So, Life yeah, is good. Life is wonderful. Yes, Ed will be here shortly. Tate is here producing. Thank you for joining us. Yesterday, when we were on the air, there was a hearing in federal court here in Austin, the Biden administration versus the state of Texas. The Biden administration is challenging that new state law that takes effect in March that gives legal authority to Texas law enforcement to arrest illegal immigrants who cross between legal ports of entry. Then the people will be taken to a judge. They'll be given a choice. You can choose to be deported to Mexico right away or do six months in jail. And Melinda, the Texas Tribune has a recap on how those arguments went and the comments by the federal judge, District Judge David Ezra, are really standing out. Yeah, it, it went about how I figured it would go, and while the the ruling has not been given, uh, all implications are Texas is probably not going to come out on the winning side of this. One of the things that the judge cited, and I'm still trying to to, to process, was that he said that the the state can't point that we've had a military ev- invasion in Texas, and if there's no evidence of an invasion, then this law that Texas has put out there can't be used. Yes. My part that I'm confused, does it have to be a military invasion? I think that has generally been accepted that that is the definition of an invasion. But Texas, I don't know what Texas said to counter that comment by the judge. But uh, one thing I would point out is, The death toll from what's been happening is well over 100,000 now, resulting from the fentanyl overdoses. That sounds like a war death toll to Mm -hmm. me, over 100,000 dead since the cartels have taken control of the Texas border. Well, and that's why I kind of zoned in on the military part. You don't have to have military interaction in order for how we're being invaded over the border to be detrimental to us. It's being done, as you just pointed out, with the fentanyl. It's being done with um, some of those that are coming across, then committing crimes and that, that kill or, or hurt individuals. It's being done in the draining of the economy with the money that mm-hmm. is spent on this. So to me, there's various ways that you could look at it there being an invasion that is detrimental to the people, not only in Texas, but in the nation. Yes. Governor Abbott frequently has used the word invasion to describe what's happening. And uh, he has argued 
that the Constitution gives states the power to defend themselves from an invasion, particularly when the federal government isn't. Yes. (laughs) But the federal judge, Judge Ezra, in this hearing yesterday said, I see no evidence that Texas is at war. And the state of Texas cannot point me to any type of military invasion occurring in the state of Texas. Well, the state of Texas is at war, trying to keep people alive, trying to, as best as possible, keep the fentanyl off of the streets, uh, to keep crime off of the streets. So in that sense, you could consider it a war. But I, I think that they're really going to hone in on the military aspect of this and say, well, since these people aren't dressed in their camo with their guns as they cross, then it's not a military invasion. Mm-hmm. But we all know those people who are now buried in cemeteries are just as dead as someone killed by an invading army with tanks and troops. Correct. And it's well over 100,000. Judge Ezra said at the end of the hearing yesterday he would try to make a decision as soon as possible and well ahead of March 5th. That's when the new law takes effect. So it's not that far away. Uh I'm just going to go ahead and infer, based on his comments yesterday, he's going to rule with the Biden administration and against Texas. Yeah, I I figured that that probably would be the case. And then just hearing his comments, it seems like that's really going to be in line with how he rules. Yes. It it would be kind of difficult to believe that he would say, I'm not seeing any evidence of Texas at war or military invasion and then turn around and say, but Texas has the right to do this. Right. The Texas Tribune says Judge Ezra asked the Texas lawyers considerably more questions than he asked of the federal government lawyers. He took jabs at Texas lawmakers, stating a little more care should have gone into drafting the law. And the Texas Tribune says at several points, the federal judge joked about the Texas attorneys being in a difficult position trying to make a winning argument. Uh, not sure that that's the best look to to be joking about something like this, especially when it has had an impact. And he even noted, he was like, I know the impact that it has. I've lived in border states. I've lived in Arizona. Like, I I realize that. So it's it's ridiculous for him to get up there and joke about something like that. this This is the hard part of taking these type of hearings or whatever serious when you've got judges up there just kind of going off in whatever manner that they instead of like just just stick to the facts ask the questions uh, so that you can make a ruling one way or the other i'd like to ask judge ezra does he consider it a joking matter that an illegal alien who was drunk and speeding ran over and killed a 10 year old boy in midland yesterday and left the scene Is that a joking matter? It's not to me or the Mm -mm. people listening to this show. Or the family. Or, I mean, I can't imagine anyone that would think that that is uh, something you just just dismiss lightly. Uh, 512-836-0590. Gary is calling from Cedar Park. It's 208 with Mark and Melinda. Welcome, Gary. Hey, Mark and Melinda. I just, I just have a question. You know, if, if we're not getting, if Texas is not getting the point across about the invasion, can can me and a and hundred of my friends just go to the judge's house and hang out and everything's all right? Well, we know the answer that he would give us is absolutely not, but uh, it's considerably uh, close to what's happening here. 
Only uh, you would just yeah. be hanging out. People have been dying as mm-hmm. a result of this invasion. So, so, so to even take it a little further, can we, can we kill his family and everybody's all right? Of course not. No. Yeah, I mean, so, so how, how in the world is this not, you know, what the what the state of Texas is arguing that it's an invasion? How is this not an argument? I mean, how is that not an argument if, if. If, if it happened to you, it wouldn't be okay. But happening to the state of Texas, man, that's Gary, thank you. Have a good afternoon and a good weekend. Yes, Melinda. It would be interesting to see what the lawyers for Texas, after that was said, how how they countered it. Did they bring up anything like, I think you're, you've got pretty narrow vision mm-hmm. on the invasion definition. Mm-hmm. Here's why we say it's an invasion when we're not... It, with it not being a military invasion, I just think that that's kind of very narrow scope in which to look. Now, if it is laid out military invasion, that's one thing, but I don't think that's how it's written when you're considering this. Right. Andy's with us in Georgetown on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Andy. Welcome. Hey, good show again. Uh, so look, we have home invasion laws, right? Yes. Um, and, those don't involve military activities, and there's a there's a criminal prosecution associated with home invasions. So how is Texas not considered our home from foreign adversaries, from people who have come across illegally, from people who are coming over here and they're stealing, they're destroying property, they're trespassing, they're encroaching on our on our civil and social uh, infrastructure. They're a cost burden that nobody can afford. So how is it? How is it? That's just like stealing. Well, you're right on all of those points, Andy. And in the Constitution, uh, the word is invasion. The judge is the one adding military Military. to the front of it. He's trying to change the Constitution. Again, I would like to know what the did they point that out? Listen, judge, and all due respect, it doesn't say military invasion. It says invasion. And here is how it is impacting Texas. Andy, thank you. Have a good afternoon and a good weekend. Here are the numbers. You can join us with your thoughts. 512-836-0590. It's Mark and Melinda, 212 at KLBJ. Enjoy the podcasts of Mark, Melinda, and Ed at your convenience. You'll find them on NewsRadioKLBJ.com or via the free KLBJ app. Governor Greg Abbott just wrapped up a news conference in Eagle Pass. He has announced that Texas is now building an 80-acre military base for the Texas National Guard near Eagle Pass. He says 1,800 guardsmen will be living at this base. Here's part of what the governor just finished saying. It will house uh, up to 1,800 soldiers with the ability uh, to expand up to 2,300 Uh, if we have surge needs. It will include uh, individual rooms for soldiers. Uh, It'll provide a large dining facility, recreation, computers, things like Wi-Fi. Uh, But but for now, National Guard have been scattered across uh, this entire region uh, in cramped quarters, uh, away from fellow uh, soldiers and guard, sometimes traveling long distances to be able to do their job. He says some uh, have traveled an hour one way to their assignment. They're living in motels, and this will be a place where they can all live 
and gather and rapidly respond as needed across the border. This sounds to me like Governor Abbott has been listening to the complaints that were coming from uh, some of the National Guard members and others that were talking about uh, living conditions and how difficult this is for um, our our guys, our men and women that are down there doing this. And he's trying to make it easier for them. It seems like a smart idea. The sad part is, is that we have to create a whole new base just to... Yes. Uh, confront this non-military invasion that is happening on our border but it seems like a smart move to me let's let's get them all there let's get them where everyone's in the same place they have easy access uh that this is a base and it's not just so scattered yes he says it will have uh landing spots for helicopters so they can move troops rapidly via helicopter up and down the border. Here's more from Governor Greg Abbott. But what we need to be able to do, and, and that is to make sure that the National Guard has the flexibility and the proximity to any type of crossings uh, north or south of Shelby Park so that they will be able to move swiftly to those locations uh, and be able to uh, impede the ability for anybody to cross illegally. Governor Abbott also said the steps they've already taken near Eagle Pass have dramatically reduced illegal crossings in that part of the Texas border. Yeah, I think earlier this week he said we went from 3,000 to less than five. Uh, that That's a big number. And I know that the Biden administration was trying to say what they're doing isn't uh, decreasing anything. It's just impeding Border Patrol. Then how do you explain it? They're not coming here. And that's the purpose. Even if they decide to go somewhere else, the purpose is to show you they're not coming across like they were in the thousands. And so you should get the idea that it does do something. And perhaps this is what we should have along the entire border. Yes. uh, In that hearing we've been talking about in federal court over the new state law, the federal attorneys were telling the judge, look, If you let Texas continue with its efforts, all of the illegals are going to move to Arizona, New Mexico, and California to cross. And we'll have to move our Border Patrol resources to those areas in order to deter them or capture them as they come across. That is a crazy argument in my mind. They should go, okay, if it's moving it to others, if we did that across Arizona and New Mexico and California— then that would move them to the only place that they should come in, a legal port of entry. How how do we funnel them to that? Yes, yes. The feds are admitting what Texas is doing. Works. Yes, it's effective. And it should be duplicated across the border. Yeah. It, it's just crazy that they... <laughs> the sad part is, though, that you have the judges in, that are hearing these cases going, yeah, you're right, Yeah, they shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, uh, he seemed to have his mind made up even before the case got before him. You can weigh in with your thoughts at 512-836-0590. Related to all of this, BorderReport.com says that the illegal immigrants now in northern Mexico, uh, just south of California, in shelters, are worried about Trump getting reelected. In fact, the guy who runs one of the shelters says they're very afraid Trump is going to win And the border's going to be closed, and they will have no chance of getting in. But I wonder why they feel that way, because according to Biden, Trump's the easy on. 
on immigration and, and Biden's the, the, the tough. Yes. Um, it just goes to show exactly what we've been saying. You you have those that have the tougher policies on the border as they should be. And word gets out. Word got out when Biden invited everybody to come in. It got out. And then it got out even more when they were like, oh, it wasn't a fake invitation. He's actually letting us in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it says fear is rippling through the shelters where these people are staying, hoping to get into the U.S. before Trump gets back in the White House. Well, that doesn't bode well for Biden either, because if they're all hoping to get into the U.S., is there going to be another surge? Right now they're saying and patting themselves on the back, look, numbers have come down, numbers have come down. Is there going to be another surge just because they're trying to get in before election results come through? That could be the case. Yes, it could spur another wave. Uh, the, the man talking about these uh, kinds of experiences is Jose Maria Garcia Lara. He's director of a shelter in Tijuana, and uh, he was interviewed by Border Report. And he says, look, I, I recall uh, how things were before. He's been down there a long time, before Trump got elected, what's happened now under Biden. And now I'm talking to these people on a daily basis, and they're really worried that Trump's going to win. Here's hoping that someone that is going to be strong on the border is in place. They actually do something about the border. And then I'll follow it up, even though I know it won't happen, that Congress does what needs to be done to make sure that what we've encountered these last three years can never happen again under any other president. Let's go to Jay at 221. Mark and Melinda on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Jay. Hey, good afternoon. Um, yeah, a report just came out um, regarding the um, election and the congressional balance of power with respect to the seats in Congress. And apparently this, the current census or most recent census reports 16 million illegal aliens in congressional districts that should not be counted in the census. And the net impact of that is that those 16 million individuals are driving the way in which seats in Congress are um, allocated. Yeah, we and talked about that, that. Jay. Jay, we talked about all of this yesterday on the show. Yeah. So, uh, just so, just I don't know that the general population understands this, but the census, you know. Jay, Jay, we went through all of this yesterday. Thank you for the call. 512-836-0590. We hit it twice, I believe, between 2 and 6 yeah, and I, in and, depth. And I think it's it's easy to understand when you're counting everyone there, and it has the expansion opportunity for a district. That means you're, you possibly get more seats, which means you possibly get more electoral votes, which means you could essentially have whoever you want in office. And Biden ordered that illegal aliens be counted as part of the census on his first day in office. Yes. With an executive order. Uh, Sam is with us at 223. Hi, Sam. How are you today? Fine today. Thank you. Yes, welcome. What are your thoughts? Okay. I don't think anyone's talking about it a lot, but everybody that comes across as a female, more than likely they're pregnant, and we have to give them birth, and now those are automatically U.S. citizens. 
into it, even if their court date is five years away, their offspring is now a U.S. citizen. That just that's a big cost to everybody. Well, yeah, and uh, I think Chicago is just one example. Uh, they said this week, Sam, they've already had seven thousand kids in the last two months enroll in their public wow. schools from the illegal immigrants in Chicago. Those are just the, the ones in the first wave that arrived, and they, they really have no idea what, how they're going to handle 7,000 brand-new kids who don't speak English. And it's not a big uh, concern until you think about most of the poor ladies that have come across. Most of them have probably been raped, but they know the, the deal is if they show up pregnant and give birth, then nobody can throw them out because now their child is a citizen. Yeah, it does have a ripple effect. Thank you, Sam. You have a good one. 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text to join the conversation. It looks as though uh, the judge in New York has issued uh, his penalty on former President Trump in that case where New York was alleging that there was fraud in inflating the worth of the Trump properties. We'll get some details for you on that coming up just ahead. I know the judge was planning on handing down the penalties. Are you seeing it now? $364 million penalty. Well, that's what some of the predictions were. Just a drop in the bucket, you know. Yes. (laughs) Chump change. $364 million. And it looks like I'm seeing something on Fox about uh, a three-year period where Trump is barred from being able to take part in his own businesses. Uh, Barred from serving as an officer or director of any New York corporation for three years. Um, it, the judge also said that this was a years-long scheme to dupe banks and other with financial statements that inflated his the former president's wealth. All right. We'll get you more on that coming up just ahead. That is breaking news out of New York City right now. We'll cover it more in depth right after the half-hour news update. It's Mark and Melinda with you live and local on KLBJ. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. Now, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 2.30, hope you're having a good afternoon. We have breaking news out of New York where a judge has now issued the penalty phase on former President Trump. The state of New York was charging him with financial fraud. Uh, Let's recap the penalties again real quickly, Melinda. Well, there is a $364 million penalty, as well as Trump being barred from serving as an officer or director of any New York corporation for three years. And I'm seeing other reporting from AP that the judge may have also ruled that Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. are also barred from serving as an officer or director of any of the New York corporations for two years. All right, so that that's a, a very, very heavy penalty. Oh, yeah. Uh, you had the Attorney General, the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, said it had to be at least, you know, 300. You, you got you to aim big here, she, Judge. Yeah, specifically, uh, the Attorney General wanted $370 million, so the judge... Well, it went a little bit above. Uh, ...came in very close to that. And uh, the Wall Street Journal says the New York attorney general was alleging that Trump inflated the value of his property so he could get better loan terms, lower interest rates. And she says 
That saved him hundreds of millions of dollars, something in the range of $400 million. And she says, that's how I'm arriving at the request of $370 million. This still, to me, is so bizarre. Uh, No bank ever came forth and said, yeah, he took advantage of us and, and cost us this amount of money. In fact, you had CEOs of the bank's testify on Trump's side saying we knew what we were getting into and this was good business for us. Yes. Uh, Deutsche Bank was his primary lender and they testified, look, uh, we priced the loans at what we thought was the right price and we stand by that. He never defaulted on the loans. He was always current on the payments. Even if his uh, appraised value had come in lower than what he told us it was, we would have had the same price on the loans, the same interest rate. Mm -hmm. And they have never at any point claimed they were defrauded by Trump. The one making the complaint is the attorney general of New York. And basing this on how long ago was all of this that took place? Over the course of years. No, I mean that she's stating that this was happening. It wasn't like it was last year and she's just bringing these charges forward. Right. I This whole thing doesn't make any sense. And then you had the judge in this case decide, oh, yeah, he was guilty. We're just going to fast forward to the penalty phase of this. And I know that there's a New York state law that says if neither side is requesting a jury hearing, the judge can do that. It just seems extremely odd to me, to say the least. Well, it's just uh, part of that lawfare, isn't it? The multi-pronged assault on Donald Trump on the state and federal level, whether it's New York, Georgia, the federal cases. It's an all-of-the-above approach to try to get him. Here are the numbers. You can weigh in with your thoughts. 512-836-0590. The state attorney general of New York said, for example, that Trump lied about the size of his penthouse at the top of Trump Tower. She inflated the size of that three times the size of what it was in reality. He also uh, inflated the value of Mar-a-Lago. You're probably aware of that. Uh, the judge in the case put the value at $14 million. Trump said that's preposterous. It's hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, and that's another thing. I, how did the judge arrive at that decision? Are they real estate a hobby for them? Yeah, good Appraising question. a hobby for them? The Wall Street Journal says Trump's net worth has remained uh, in the range of $3 billion in recent years. That's well above the level that he pledged to maintain with Deutsche Bank when he got all of these loans. He pledged to keep it at least at $2.5 billion. I'm going to guess that this will see an appeal. How long that takes, how that ends up. Who knows? But it just, it's kind of, I, I hate to bring this back up, but the the amount of money that was awarded to the Miss Carol for her, I mean, above and beyond, I guess, what, what anybody would say is right. It, it's just an all-out attempt, what it looks like, to bankrupt Trump. <laughs> yes, and I think I've read that uh, he is going to appeal on this. However, he'll have to take out a bond uh, while this is being appealed to to cover what they say he owes. So 
that's going to be a substantial amount of money, millions of dollars to take out a bond uh, in the event that he might end up ultimately losing. So he's really up against it in terms of expenses related to all of these cases. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts in Kansas City. They're saying that they're charging two juveniles in connection with the Super Bowl shooting that occurred earlier this week. Uh, The charges against these unnamed juveniles were announced today, but they were filed yesterday Mm -hmm. just inside the 24-hour time limit before they had to release them. So they've got charges right now, Melinda. It looks like these were filed so they could hold them, and then they may add more later in the case. Yeah, it was kind of what we were discussing. Why weren't those those immediate gun charges brought? And that's what they're that's what they have been charged with right now: gun related and resisting arrest charges. They will. They say that they are going to finish the investigation. A lot of that having to do with uh, ballistics that come back, seeing if they can match the bullets with the gun, and if those guns were in their position uh, possession, and if there's any other crimes that have been tied to these particular firearms that they found. They they need to, if the evidence points that it absolutely was these two individuals, and then they need to up it to being tried as an adult. Oh, I agree. Quentin Lucas is the mayor of Kansas City. He was being interviewed by NPR Today. Here's part of what he had to say about the shooting. When you have 850 officers and folks who will act recklessly nearby them, who can still get off enough rounds to hit almost two dozen people within just a matter of uh, moments, that tells us that the guns, the types of guns that we have and their accessibility, easy availability is a problem. And that's a conversation that I will continue to have as long as I have some megaphone with which to share it. The guns are the problem, Melinda. No, they're not. I, I, You knew that was coming. It came from the White House almost immediately. Uh, that's coming in regards to lots of people slamming yeah they had i think it was reported like 850 over 800 officers there and they're slamming you know where was the security in all of this you didn't have checkpoints which i think it's probably very difficult to do when you're talking about a parade it's not one set place it's a route that you have to go through and again it is not the guns it is one i it's kids how are kids mm-hmm. getting their hands on the gun and i read in one report today it was like well they don't have a state law that prohibits kids no, they don't have to there's a federal law yes. i mean people use your brains there's a federal law against these juveniles having the guns bringing them having them in the possession and then using them because they're in an argument with somebody that they don't like and that's how they respond it has zero to do with the guns, and everything to do with the individuals. Yes. Uh, We may hear at some point that these guys each have long criminal records in the juvenile system. I would not be shocked to hear that. And yet they were out carrying guns at the Super Bowl rally. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that day was the first day that they put their hands on a gun and carried it somewhere and then decided to use them. Here's more from Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas on what happened. This is probably the hardest part of all for any of us who go to parades with our children, our loved ones, or our friends. Because 
I think we're starting to realize a challenge to everything we can do to keep ourselves safe. We can have more officers and we will. We can have cameras and, and everything possible. But it is hard to fully protect ourselves if we're in a public space. If there is not a, a metal detector walking in, if there is not the sort of thing, frankly, that a parade just doesn't allow, then how can we ever fully be safe in a city, a state, and perhaps a country where we know that people are freely walking around with AR-15s, mm -hmm. with modified handguns, with switches, with any number of issues, or frankly, even just your old classic revolver? Right. If we know that one can act with impunity with that, then it's hard to say we'll ever be fully as safe as I think we'd like to idealize ourselves to be. How gracious. How was it possible that we were, let's go back 20, 25 years? There well, were guns, the same guns still around, yet there was a sense of safety going into a crowd. We had decade upon decade upon decade of parades and large gatherings without people shooting up the crowd. Yep. It's not the guns. It's not the crowd. It's the people. Something has changed in our society mm -hmm. in recent years. And these guys are probably exhibit A of what has changed. And until these politicians that continue to push that it's the guns either realize it, I'm sure they realize it, but it doesn't fit their narrative, or they just say, we've got to do something about this, nothing changes. Doesn't matter. You can make every gun law that you can dream up and put it on the books, it won't matter unless you address the real issue. 512-836-0590. We'd like to hear your thoughts as well. Call or text us. 241 now, Mark and Melinda on KLBJ. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. And you can stream the show live on your digital device via the free news radio KLBJ app. Now, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 245, we hope you're having an excellent afternoon. Tate is here producing, and Mike joins us. Hello, Mike. You're on KLBJ. Hello. How are y'all doing? Fine, Mike. Welcome. Great. The um, gun debate that we're having uh, is like the Middle East. It's been going on forever. It never seems to get solved. Um, back in the 70s, it was particularly intense, and just about every car in Texas had a bumper sticker that said, when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns, and that still applies. And as to why it's happening now, um, yeah, I think that you're both right. It's the people. It's not the guns have always been around. It's the people. And my opinion is that just the general moral fiber of our nation, I've just watched it decay over the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also um, judges that have gotten a lot, lot more lax and um, imposed a lot less severe penalties on crimes of all kinds, which encourages crime. Yeah, I believe you're right on all of that. There is a, a complete decay uh, in morals around this nation. And then you throw on top of it, we're seeing quite a bit. We have gun laws on the books, and we're seeing quite a bit them not being enforced, which is why it's never made sense to me for a call for more gun laws. If you were enforcing every gun law on the book and then we had this problem, okay, maybe it's time to add additional. Mm -hmm. But in Unless you're going to enforce them all, 
it doesn't matter what gun law you come up with. It's only I, as good I as the enforcement. I completely agree because because um, criminals will continue to get them no matter what. Mike, thank you. Uh, and uh, it's reasonable to suspect that in this case in Kansas City, these two juveniles have been in trouble with the law before. This will not be their first rodeo by any means. And yet here is the mayor of Kansas City saying we need additional laws instead of saying, boy, somebody failed and didn't hold these guys accountable earlier when they first started getting in trouble. Not only that, they failed in the raising of these two gentlemen. Uh, Well, I call them gentlemen. They're probably not. But there is a severe problem with lack of parental or or if you want to call them guardian guidance in these young people lives we talk about it so much how we continue to see it grow on a daily basis the crimes that are being committed by juveniles and uh, the broken family is a key part of that you're right Broken families or children being born out of wedlock, that percentage is nearing 50% now. Mm. Children being born out of wedlock, and uh, it's, it's compounding this growing problem, seeing these juveniles engaging in really violent activity that was not very common not that long ago in this country. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts. Call or text us. Uh, We're also keeping you up to date on that hearing in Atlanta, Georgia, for the prosecutor who has put former President Trump on trial for election interference in Georgia. This is the Fannie Willis, Fannie Willis case out of Fulton County, Georgia. It's day two of that hearing. This thing gets more bizarre as it goes on. And I think, unfortunately, the attorneys here are somewhat lending to the crazy circus that is going on. They should be just downright. But I saw a bit of her father take the stand. Why is he taking the stand? And then he was talking about COVID and how he saw he he knew about it well before anybody else. Like it was just bizarre. So much of it is. Uh, when I see what's going on there, uh, I say there's no way a person with her poor judgment should be determining whether a former president is put on trial for election interference. Just the display that she put on yesterday is enough to say they should, she should not be a part of this case moving forward, period. Whether the case goes on or not, uh, they still need to figure that out if there was any wrongdoing in bringing this case. But it is obvious that she needs to step down from it. Caroline Carter is a legal analyst for MSNBC She thinks that Willis will be disqualified from this case. Here's her thinking. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think, uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified. Um, If they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to to the court, it's it's a huge deal. I I can't overstate it. So she's talking about the former girlfriend, who testified that, yeah, the affair started years before they admitted that it mm-hmm. affaired in legal filings with the judge. And that, that's a lie in the eyes of the court, and that will disqualify her. Well, it should 
not only disqualify her from that case, it should disqualify her from her position and as a lawyer. Now, what does this mean for the Trump case? Some Georgia legal experts say if she is removed from the case, that puts another delay into the timetable. They have to pick another prosecutor. It could be after the election before the trial even begins. And they say that all works to Trump's favor. The more delay, the better is is how they're putting it. Well, they again, I think they're they're not they're neglecting to look into all of the other things that were more important to me with this story. And that is the meeting with the White House counsel of Biden and the meeting with the January 6th committee. Where all does that tie in to when and how these charges were brought? And unfortunately, they're not asking those questions. They should have been asked. They had Wade on the stand under oath, Willis under oath. I thought they would have been bringing that up in the questioning at some point. I don't know if maybe they are restricted to just the relationship part to see if, I don't know if there were any restrictions on them or not, but those are the questions that I want answers to. All right, 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text to join the conversation. Fox News is reporting that Jamie Hammonds, who's been documenting the homeless crisis throughout the years here in Austin with videos and posting them on the Internet, is now providing data to a group called Nomadic, and they are going to be putting together an AI map which vividly depicts exactly where the homeless encampments are concentrated throughout the city of Austin. Yeah, I saw a little bit of the map, and there's a, there's a lot of them. They think that this is going to help uh, in order to get resources to the problems. I found it extremely interesting that the spokesperson for the city said, uh, this isn't going to help. This is unreliable. Uh, the source data is not comprehensive. It doesn't take into account different factors. Um, it's a start. Why would you out and out dismiss it? Y'all have been a complete failure in giving us an accurate account of how many are out there. Y'all led us to believe there's about 2,000 when in reality it's more than 6,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this story says the founders of this company say the data on Austin's homeless population is either fragmented or completely absent. It is non-existent. And that means there's a severe lack of understanding of what is being spent and done and whether any of it is having an effective result for the taxpayers. Uh, So far, I can say, no, it has not. And you would think that as big of a failure as they have been trying to Uh, see if all of the money that we have spent in there is doing anything, they would be turning and and applauding and reaching out for any source that would help them. Yes, he's doing this for free, and he's been going out to these camps for free. Uh, Hammonds tells Fox News, I've been saying for over a year now, the population is being undercounted here in Austin, and it's an outrage. We're spending millions And the city is now admitting how big the problem has become. It's time for new policies that will work in Austin. Okay. I haven't heard y'all put any forth. It's been the same old, same old. Just spend more. 
go up by $10, 20000000 million a year on the budget just, and hope nobody complains about it. Just get a roof. We need yes. more permanent housing, and that's how we solve the homeless problem, and it hasn't done a thing. All right, 512-836-0590. We'll get you up to date with Fox News and local news just ahead. Much more to cover live and local all the way to 6 o'clock right here on News Radio KLBJ. Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults aged 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio. KLBJ.